Namaste, Namaskaram, Vanakam, Namo, Namaha, Jai Ganesha. Please visit our website at classicalyoga.org and there's a donate button if you'd like to help us out. Today's podcast, a tribute to Maui. Everybody knows of the recent fire devastation of the beautiful island of Maui. Which again is a lesson to all of us of the impermanence of all material things. Which is why in the Hindu Yoga Dharma we say Atma Darshana Paramo Dharma. Along with recognizing this material world, this world of change and transformation, which we call Maya, simply means that things are changing, temporal. Along with all the important duties that we have to perform, as Hindus we say the most important duty is to realize your inner essence or the Atmana, soul if you will, it's a bit different the inner essence, the Atmana, because logically everything is going to leave us. All the material things leave us. Even the body, mind, and emotion go away. So realizing the inner essence that moves on from one life to another. So when we have these natural disasters and man-made disasters, it's just a very striking reminder of the impermanence of all things. So let's pay tribute to the Hawaiian people, and obviously this is prayer, which is sending out good thoughts and, and actually good actions. If we can physically help to those in need. And this is what religions generally do. They're very famous for that. But they're also infamous for creating very negative situations, blind beliefs, cultic beliefs, superiority. So, for example, if we look at the quote-unquote discovery of the Polynesian Islands, go back to Captain James Cook in the 1700s, and remember, they weren't discovered. There were already people living there. So, too, when Columbus quote-unquote discovered America, though he never actually came to the shores of America, when he went to Hispanola and the so-called West Indies, talk about a delusion there, thinking he was in India. So he never really discovered them because they were already discovered by the people living there, the indigenous people. And we all know the the cruel story there. Actually, the cruel story of all the invaders. I mean, this is life. They brought a lot of uh, good things, but a lot of horrible things also because they imposed a, a superiority upon them. So when James Cook went to all of these Polynesian islands, he imposed his British ideology. And just look there. Look at the Maya, the appearance, the transitory nature of the British Empire. No longer what it was, thank goodness, as people have gained independence. But the monarchy still rolls on. So when all the explorers, invaders actually, went around the world, they found indigenous cultures that they obviously thought were very inferior to theirs. But these were highly established cultures. So the culture of Hawaii, they had a very profound, in-depth culture, profound religion, using the English word religion, traditions. So let's look at that today. And looking at Maui, Maui was the trickster deity within the Hawaiian religion. And you always have the trickster mentality, which is really the concept of 
illusion, delusion, maya, the temporary nature of life, the fluid nature of life, the ever-changing nature of life, which reminds us to just be very careful of taking life too seriously. We want to take life seriously, but not too seriously. This is the, what the trickster deities remind us of. For in this case, we have fire, which is a wonderful thing. Fire was responsible for civilization. We see in the night, we cook our food, it keeps us warm. So out of control, however, it can produce devastating consequences. So it's interesting that in the Hawaiian religion, fire Pele is the mother Shakti, that primal energy. And interestingly, we find this in, really, if you look deep enough in all the religions of the world, because there's a worship of fire, the worship of the sun. In the Hindu yoga dharma, actually the first written word in our world's oldest scriptures, the Vedas, is Agni Malay, praise Malay, the fire. Worship the fire. Now it's important to understand when we use this word worship, it means to respect and to revere. So when we worship the fire, we're respecting what the fire does in a positive way, but we're also respecting that the fire can also destroy. This is what's meant when we say that Hindus worship everything. It doesn't mean that we see everything as positive. We also understand the power of something. So for example, when we worship the fire or the sun, we feel its warmth. We love what it does to create crops, produce our food, but we also respect its power and know when to stay away from it. So too with fire. We use that fire to keep warm and to cook, but we have to control it or it'll get out of control and destroy us. This is what is meant by the trickster aspect that you find in life, the joker aspect. It keeps us on our toes. So if we look at the Hawaiian religion, if you will, they actually called their system kapu. So we'll draw some analogies here to the Hindu yoga dharma. But remember to always respect the specifics. We see a lot of similarities, but we want to respect the specific terms and concepts. So kapu was this understanding of the certain order in life. The mana, the shakti of life. We could liken this to the word dharma for us as Hindus. Coming from dri to hold, what holds things together. Trying to seek an order in life, which is really the essential meaning of the word religio, which first meant a sense of moral order, trying to find order in life. In fact, the first written word for what we call Hindu dharma today, or Hinduism, is ritta, ritvijam, victory to order, and the order of Mother Nature. Obviously, Mother Nature is first and foremost. This is our home. This is our planet. In Hinduism, we call her Bhumi Mata. In the Hawaiian religion, if you will, we'll use that word, because that's the scholarly term for all these traditions around the world, using English, of course. They had a nature deity very close to all of the people, which was Lono. And he was also the thunderer. So we liken this in Hinduism to Ganesha, the first deity that we beseech, 
Ganesha was actually made from the mud of his Mataji, the earthiness. And then you had a warrior deity, Ku, similar to Skanda or Muraga in the Saivite Hindu Dharma. And then the supreme god was Kane. Now in Hinduism we have Saivites, Vaishnavites, and Shaktites. And there's a wonderful understanding of a progressive process. We call it the gem principle. Using the science of life from gravity, electricity, and magnetism, just like in our body, gravity is the lower part, electricity is the heart, if you will, and the magnetic head, gravity, electricity, magnetism, as we go up, up and in. So we liken this to our different deities in the Sampradayas, or the sects of Hinduism. So in Saivism, we have Ganesha, gravity, the electricity at the heart, the youthful, loving warrior, Murugaskanda, and the magnetic deity head, which is both male and female, Shiva Shakti or Shiva Parvati. Vaishnava Hindus would go Ganapati, Krishna, Vishnu, Lakshmi, or Ganapati, Hanuman, Sitaram. And in the Shakti Sampradaya, it would be Ganapati understood with Durga, Lakshmi, Saraswati. And then from before creation, Kali, Durga, Parvati. We go this into depth with this more in some of our other podcasts. So in the Hawaiian region, you could look at the same process as from Lono to Ku to Kane to Pele. So the gravity, the electricity, the warrior spirit, and then the magnetic deity head of Kane and Pele. Now in life in general, one begins as a student and then they work their way up to becoming a teacher. So too in all the religions of the world. Individuals start out as students, and then they become the clerics, if you will, using that English word. So in the Hawaiian religion, just as in Hinduism, we have our pundits and pujaris and yogis and swamis, who all began as brahmacharis, as students. We have in the Hawaiian religion the kahunas, who were the priests, if you will, who conducted the rituals. And there's a very interesting Similarity here with Hinduism and the chakras and kundalini. It is said that they, obviously, their lifestyle was living outside. And they used to have what they called halals, where they would have a ring of stones and sit inside that and do their rituals and their services. And it is said that on the island of Kauai, on the Kuma'o road, which means dragon, the serpent road, similar to the kundalini in Hinduism, they found seven of these halals, like the seven chakras. And the, it is said that the kunas and the attendants would follow these one after the other. And it is said that the, the seventh halal was found on the top of the mystical Mount Wailiali on the island of Kauai. Very mystical understanding. And today there's actually a orthodox Shivalingam temple, a Nataraj temple, right there on that Waialua River, overlooking Mount Waialeale, which is considered the wettest place on earth, I believe, or one of them, and very mystical. It's very difficult to get to the very top, and they say that there are actually flowers up there that are found nowhere else on earth. Very mystical place. So actually, if we look at all the indigenous religions, which the colonizers boldly attempted to wipe out, they were all very much grounded in Mother Nature. True, there was probably a lot of superstition going on there too, but that um, is part of human nature. You can find that in the 
traditional religions of today, lots of superstition also. So it's just part of um, the evolution of humanity that you had this superiority, inferiority complex as colonizers, invaders went around the world feeling so superior to all the quote-unquote natives they encountered. So it was in the 1800s that the missionaries started to invade into the Hawaiian islands. And amazingly, they convinced the people, and this is something very interesting, how obviously many of the indigenous people weren't strong enough in their own beliefs, or perhaps they had such a confused universalist mindset that they didn't realize that they were being taken over. They accepted the people that came, such as the indigenous Araraks and Caribs, when they accept, accepted Columbus's men when they came, but they didn't realize that these invaders, they didn't want to reciprocate. They wanted to take everything. So this is the fault of not taking life seriously enough. And we unfortunately still see this today with many Hindus who blindly think that people who that are doing yoga, for example, or Ayurveda, that they're respecting the Hindu dharma. They're doing no such thing. They're actually stealing, taking it completely away from Hinduism and making their own businesses. This is the mark of the colonizers. It's all about business. It's all about greed. It's all about taking. So when the missionaries came in, they actually convinced the Hawaiian people to stop surfing and to wear Western clothes and dress. No more grass skirts, no more hula dancing, wiping out the culture. And changing their names, giving them Christian names, at least Christian first names. And this is so sad to still see to this day when you look at indigenous people around the world that they may have a last name indicative of their tradition, but they may have a first name, James or Mary, Dennis. So the missionaries continued to come to the Hawaiian Islands, and eventually they, they took over and disposed the queen. And in 1893, installed Sanford Dole as the head of the Hawaiian Islands. Does that name sound familiar? Dole? Pineapple? And sadly, we humans seem to be very slow in learning because it wasn't until relatively recently, in 1993, that former President Bill Clinton actually signed an official apology to all the Hawaiian people for what the colonizers did. Hmm. So is this not a good lesson for all of us in the present day that to demand that those who are stealing from various traditions and cultures and religious traditions, that they own up and not spend generation after generation where people still have to suffer the tyranny of these colonial thefts. In other words, especially today, all Hindus need to stand up. And some are doing it. They're finally standing up against caste and swastika, things that should never have been carried over into Hinduism to begin with. It takes sometimes hundreds of years to admit these facts and try to eradicate it. Sooner or later we must learn to kind of nip these things in the bud before they get 
out of hand. Unfortunately, it's still happening with our sacred Hindu yogas. It's totally out of hand now. Most people completely associate yoga with something non-religious and non-Hindu. And this is really the fault of the Hindus who don't stand up for it. And actually even many capitulate to it. Oddly thinking perhaps that they really are inferior and that the, the colonizers, the non-Hindus, really know more than they do. So change is inevitable. Sometimes it's very slow. Sometimes it's very quick. You know, just look in 24 hours, the beautiful town of Lahaina was reduced to ashes. Things can change so quickly, overnight. Again, that's why as we as Hindus say, Atma Dashana Paramodharma. Realize your inner essence because everything else is subject to change, either slow or very quick. So let's try to learn from these natural disasters and these human-created disasters and not be tricked by our own laziness, by our own procrastination, by our own cowardice, perhaps, our weakness. In other words, finding traditions, finding principles, finding truth that makes sense, and then stand up for it. Take a lesson from all the youthful, loving warriors that you can find in all the ancient traditions. And stand up for basic principles. And be willing to And be willing to speak to truth and also be humble enough to realize that sometimes we make huge mistakes. That's why in the Hindu Yoga Dharma we always say, Asato ma sad gammaya, lead me from untruth to truth. It's an evolutionary process. Let me humbly admit my ignorance as I move to a more enlightened state of being. Tamaso ma jyotir gammaya. And then ultimately realize there is this inner essence, this inner nectar, if you will, the amritam, the inner love, light, and energy. Hindus call it Satchirananda, Jyoti Shakti, Ananda Shanti. This inner essence of all of us with a body, mind, and emotions to be respected. Mrityorma amritam gamaya. And then along the way, Seeking peace, and remember, peace is not merely the absence of conflict, but it has to be the presence of justice. We're all in this together. Keep searching for what is true, what is not true, and humbly admitting when we go wrong and we just correct our position, correct our attitude as we move to an ever more enlightened state of being. Seeking peace, peace, peace. As Hindus would say, Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. So peace and love and blessings to all those residents of the island of Maui. And this too shall pass. As we're all on this life journey together. On this eternal journey to try to figure out what this is all about. As Mark Twain famously said, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you figure out why. Have a great day. Have a great life, perhaps lifetimes.